down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome everyone, this is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And I have a big surprise uh, for all of you today because the founders of the Alliance are with me today and we are going to be talking about some of the wonderful things that have happened in Florida as a result of what the Alliance has done and what we can look forward to into the future. I truly believe that all politics is local And if we do not pay attention to our local communities and what is going on in our local communities, we are going to have a huge mess like we have right now. But the problem is lack of communication. We are not communicating with each other. And because we don't communicate, we run into all kinds of problems by trying to guess what someone else is thinking. You can't do that. You have to communicate. And I think that the GOP messaging is atrocious. However, Florida messaging was right on track. And as a result, Florida flipped to a red state with a wonderful governor who is dedicated to making sure that the people of Florida are protected and have a future that they can enjoy with their families and paying attention to school. So there were a lot of things that have happened in Florida which made the red wave possible. But again, if we don't pay attention to our local communities, it doesn't make any difference because somebody sitting in Washington is not going to be making laws that is going to affect you as you see it because they don't know you. So we have to work with our local legislators. We have to know who they are, know what we want, and most important, get to know their chiefs, get to know their assistants, get to know the people in their office, and always have a cheerful face. Folks, like I said, we are very blessed today to have Pastor Rick and Keith Flaw, who are the founding members of the Florida Citizens Alliance. And remember, I always say, go to the Alliance website, look and see what the Alliance is doing and copy it for your state. And then tell us what you're doing in your state, because if we don't share information, we'll be lost and we don't want that to happen. Welcome, Keith and Pastor Rick. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is always a pleasure to be part of this team. It is a wonderful team, and I thank you both for the amazing job that you have done. Keith, I'm going to start off with you and ask you, 
why did you start the alliance? What motivated you to do that? Uh, to be blunt, I got tired of throwing things at the TV. <laughs> Good answer. Love it. <laughs> and uh, decided uh, that it was it was, it was, it was about solutions and action. And about that point in time, Pastor Rick and I had stumbled across each other. Uh, and after all those years, he still admits he knows me. So I think that's good. Um, but um, we we focused from the be almost the very beginning on education. Uh, at the outset, we were focused on two issues. But by 2016, 17, we decided to focus exclusively on education. And uh, we've made significant, significant strides uh, there uh, since then. Um, we are a grassroots organization. We are a not-for-profit. Uh, believe it or not, Karen, uh, we just passed the last uh, last week. We passed over three hundred and six thousand people in our active database. Oh, that's uh, a fabulous, fabulous! It's up. It's up uh, the beginning of the year was one hundred and ten thousand, and a good chunk of those people, at least two thirds of them, are parents uh, with kids seventeen or under in the home. So. Um, so again, back to your question, it was just tired of watching what was happening and deciding that uh, we thought we could make a difference. And uh, with the team we put together, uh, with the leadership uh, from and guidance from Pastor Rick and others, we made made some significant strides. So, well, Pastor Rick, you also believe that politics is local, and I know that together you and Keith have been working on the Collier School Board to use it as an example of what can be done. Can you share some of the things that you have accomplished? Well, I think that um, there's been a lot of things that we've worked on, and sometimes we accomplish things we don't realize we accomplish, and sometimes uh, we, we get things done that we're kind of amazed about. But we've worked a long time to try to educate voters and help people understand what's going on. That always seems to be an uphill project. But we've done that through forums where we invite school board candidates, especially to come. And we have independent moderators that ask questions and try to surface the differences in school board candidates. And, and it also sometimes points out the school board candidates that won't participate, because often we've had school board candidates that just don't want to participate. And we think that shows the voters the kind of questions they don't want to answer or accountability they don't want to, to have. So all of those kind of things have helped educate voters and remind them this time around we actually were fortunate in partnership with local television station here in lee county we had the our first ever televised school board forum and so that was a big milestone for us but that's part of what we do we've also partnered with the other groups that are like-minded with us and put out voter guides that help people understand where the candidates stand on on this issue or that now, voter guides are limited because they usually usually only address a few things, but they do point people in the right direction and help them get the idea. And obviously, especially in Collier County this year, that has paid off because there was a big change in the school board. You were able to change the Collier school board from extremely progressive to of a true traditional American education. So does Collier have, uh, Keith, does Collier have that in its viewpoint now for going forward and getting away from a lot of these progressive, insane issues that mean nothing and don't help our kids 
learn anything? Uh, I believe you're going to see some amazing changes here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they're received at the state level. Uh, but I would expect, um, by the way, uh, just to, to put some parameters around what Pastor Rick said, last night was an amazing victory. Uh, the, three the three incumbents lost not only by narrow margins, but by huge margins. Um, they lost, uh, um, the, the top vote getter was 65% with his opponent getting 35. Um, Kelly Lichter, uh, who will, I think, end up leading the school board, uh, she had 58% uh, against her her uh, incumbent rival of 40, 42. So they're in shock today because they never would have guessed uh, that this uh, this would have happened. So now what does that mean? We're, uh, we're actually... Uh, having a meeting tomorrow with uh, Kelly Lichter uh, to share with her uh, what we believe ought to happen. Uh, I don't want to jump into that till we've had that discussion, but I believe it's going to be a massive change uh, to uh, what's been going on in, in the, from a curriculum point of view, from uh, getting rid of the CRT and the, and the, and the sexual explicit material uh, to restructuring um, you know, the actual school district meetings. Um, I'm a strong proponent of the school board having their own lawyer. And I think that yeah. rather than relying on the school district lawyer, I think that's going to be a done deal. And so that's just one of probably a dozen items that we're going to be pushing. Uh, yeah. And we're going to have a receptive audience. I know all three of the candidates that won. And um, um, I'm very op optimistic. So the most important thing that you can do is continue to go to the board meetings, continue to make sure that there is enough oversight that the people that you have selected to <clears throat> be on and run the school board are actually doing what they said they were going to do. Well, we were talking about the importance of monitoring the school boards and making sure that the people live up to doing what they say that they're going to do, because if they are true school board members, they have can canvassed their constituents and know what their constituents want. And that's what a representative, a true representative should be bringing. So uh, have you set up a way to monitor and make sure the school board is doing what you say you're going to be doing? Are you going to be continuing to going to meetings? How important is that, Pastor? Well, that's very important. And yes, people will keep an eye on them. And, and they do it for two reasons. We have to watch the people we elect for two reasons. One, to make sure they live up to their promises and, and actually stick to their principles, do the right things. That's very important. But the second is we have to stay engaged because when they do the right thing, they need support from the people that are out in the audience and in other places so that the political side of this, the narrative, isn't all one-sided because they can justify their decisions when they have community support. And a lot of times people forget that that's an important part of the, of the process. Not only do you stay engaged to make sure they live up to their principles, but you stay engaged so that everybody knows you're engaged and you're supporting the direction they're going. And all of that really starts, and we didn't talk about this a lot, but we shouldn't overlook this. All of that really starts with finding good candidates to run for these offices. And I think sometimes people overlook that 
a lot of times candidates will surface, but we who are the voters need to take a careful look and make sure that we understand where the candidates are in their positions, but also understand where they are as people and their real deeply held convictions. Because if they're good people and they have deeply held convictions, they're much more likely to stay true to those over time than simply if they pick positions to get elected. And so it's really a dynamic process. And and unfortunately, too many people start to pay attention a couple of days before elections, and then they check out the next day and think it's all over. The process really requires people to be engaged all the time and to stay on top of what's going on. And for people around the country who are wondering, how do you change your school board? Now, like in Collier County, it's a three-person majority, three like-minded people that we're convinced will do the right thing. Well, you, you do that by paying attention all the time and finding candidates that will run for office and that can win. And that's all part of the process. And, and that's how you change things. And if you want to change your school board, wherever you are, it starts now. And you got to get engaged and you got to stay engaged. It's a marathon, not a sprint. This did not happen in Collier County, this election cycle. This has been going on. Well, I don't remember how many years. Keith can tell us how many years this happened, that people have been working on this problem. But now, finally, we are seeing real substantive change. And there's real hope for the future for the students. And it's not just about getting our candidates elected or the people that agree with us. That's not that's not what this is about. This is about helping students learn. And we have not seen good outcomes for students. We have the, Our third graders in Florida can't read like they should be able to. We have people that can't read and do math at grade level in high school, and yet they're graduating. So this is about real lives, real people, and it's about getting the right people in the right positions that will make the right kind of decisions to help these students. We owe our students a better future, and we're not giving it to them, but we will now in Collier County. Oh, that is wonderful. Keith, this didn't happen overnight, as Pastor Rick said. I know that you've been working very hard. Can you tell us, uh, tell us what the Alliance has done to make this happen over the years? Because I know that this was not something that you did yesterday and all of a sudden it worked. And that's what people also have to understand. This is a process and it takes time. We didn't get to this position overnight. This was a process, and it took time, and unwinding it is going to do the same thing. So what are some of the things that you've done over the years, Keith, that you can share? Well, it's been a number of things. The first thing I'll say is a little bit of a joke. I've been at this for 10 years, and before I started, I had a full head of hair. <laughs> Well, that's, if everybody could see Keith, unfortunately, this is radio, but uh, Keith is hairless. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, to your point, uh, it, it takes perseverance. I've probably been to at least over the last 10 years, 70% of the school board meetings, uh, at least that percentage. Um, we engage on the issues. Uh, we uh, put in parallel uh, uh, an issue, uh, a, a process uh, through the election cycle. We're both a 501c3 and a c4. And under the c4, we do action alerts. Uh, I'm sorry, we do action um, uh, voter guides. And, and as Pastor Rick alluded, we, we bring those candidates in and do detailed uh, vetting sessions with them. And then we share that with the public through forums and what other, every other way we can. 
But on the issues, we engage heavily on the issues. Uh, four years ago, almost five now, we filed in Collier County, we filed a lawsuit against the Collier County School Board for its adoption of social studies books. Uh, it was uh, primarily a sunshine law violation. Uh, four years later, the Supreme Court of Florida sided with us and, and Collier County had to remove $4 million worth of social studies books in a 90-day period and start a whole new process to replace them. Uh, turns out that that, that process failure uh, it, it exists in at least another 20, 25 counties. And so we have public records requests going on around the state um, to uh, hold them accountable. Uh, we're about to file a lawsuit this week in Sarasota for their violations against that same Sunshine uh, State law. And we've got at least six others that are in our, uh, you know, on our sites that we know have violated the law. And if they don't step up and remedy, um, we will file lawsuits against them. And we've already won. So um, we've, we've, that's one example. One of the other major examples that is, have given us credibility, not only here in Collier County, uh, but across the state, is the uh, work we've done on pornography. Well, the point on the, on the pornography is we've identified 58 novels uh, in all 67 counties and the percentage that exists there. And many of our teams across the state, we have over 20 teams, are using that porn report to, to directly challenge their school boards and with, with varying degrees of success. So those are some of the kinds of examples of things we've done uh, to gain credibility. The other major one we've done is uh, our work in Tallahassee. Um, Pastor Rick and I were in Tallahassee as many as seven times last year. You joined us on a couple of those, uh, focused on uh, you know getting the... Um, education, uh, parents' rights and education bill passed, uh, focused on getting uh, House Bill 1467, uh, the Freedom Act. We had six items that we were up there on strongly advocating for, uh, including our own on harmful, harmful for minors. Uh, we got five of the six. Unfortunately, our bill didn't make progress last year, but we're going to be back at it this year. So that gives so, you a quick, quick overview of some of the things we've done. So citizen lobbying and going to Tallahassee in a group you feel is worthwhile? Uh, I believe that's absolutely true, and it's true from two, two perspectives. One, the influence we've had has uh, is, is been powerful, uh, but it also turns around and provides uh, some incentive for our donors uh, to support what we do because they they see the success so it's it's a two-sided coin and you may want to comment on on that pastor rick as well well yeah i think there's definitely true truth to that idea that you have to show up that being in person makes a huge difference but i also think people need to realize that they have to keep showing up you can't go once and expect the world to change i uh, i felt like a kind of a veteran i still feel like a novice but I was in Tallahassee one time and waiting for a meeting, sitting and waiting for the time to come up for our meeting. And a group of citizens came parading through. They weren't didn't mean to parade, but they were just walking through and on their way to visit another representative. And it was it was like days into the session, uh, maybe even a couple of weeks into the session. I can't remember the time frame. But by then, the agenda had been set. 
And I thought it's great for them to be here. It's great for them to see the place and to visit and to try to understand the process. But they really needed to learn what I would like to encourage people around the country to learn, that you have to start early and you have to be persistent and keep at it. You can't just show up for one meeting and expect everybody to change and do what you want them to do. There are just too many competing initiatives, too many competing ideas, too many competing groups. But if you will start and then keep at it and don't ever back down, don't compromise against yourself or or negotiate against yourself, ask for what you want, make them come back to you and keep at it and start early and all and go as a group, all those things. I mean, there's a whole lot of dynamics to that, but I think it does make a difference. And people are always complaining, well, they don't listen to me. Well, they don't listen because you only show up once and then you go home and they don't have to listen to you because you went home. But if you keep at it eventually, and if you're honest, and if you bring solutions, if you just go complain, that won't help. But if you take a solution, here's the solution to the problem that we're talking to you about. Eventually, you get a hearing, and eventually things begin to happen. We've seen that in Florida. I think it can happen any place, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of persistence. I also found that if you talk to them on a single issue, you're better off than trying to go there with a list of things that you want because you have the ability to become the expert on that issue. And for the most part, the representatives have no clue. They're not into that. They're into getting reelected. That's what their major goal is. Do you think, Keith, that it is important to become good buddies with the uh, chief of staff or the administrative assistant? And also, shouldn't, should we visit them when they're at their home office? Well, uh, I wouldn't use the term good buddies. I think it's important to build positive, respectful relationships with uh, the power brokers. Um, you know, a lot of the decisions in the legislature are made by five people. You know, the speaker, the speaker, uh, the, the next speaker, and the president, and the next president, and then the governor. So building relationships with people who can influence those four um, is is uh, very worthwhile, and we've we've learned that through through many years, and we've had some successes because we built those kinds of relationships. Uh, we do have a good enjoy a good relationship with Alex Kelly, who's the deputy chief of staff, the governor. Um, we don't always agree, but we have access, and we're we have the opportunity to share our our views. Uh, we we had excellent access to. Uh, Commissioner Corcoran when he was there. Uh, we now have a new commissioner and we've met with him once in person and would hope to build a strong uh, relationship with him as well. But back to Pastor Rick's point, we build that relationship because we show up, we have solutions that that can work and we don't quit. Um, and and, and they, that builds, uh, not good buddies, but that builds a respectful relationship between them and us. Yet that's what you need, folks. So when you go, take off your hostility hat, put on your friendly hat, smile, and always be courteous. Uh, that is a major important piece of working with a legislator. Uh, they are looking for you to provide answers because 
often they don't have the right answers that affect you individually in your community. And by having the right answers and working with them, it only makes things easier in the future. This is a very important thing for us to understand that we have to speak to our legislators, but speak to them just as you would speak and be respectful. That's of utmost importance. But when you talk to them, make sure that you have a clear message, a clear solution, and tell them what you want. Tell them what you expect. It is so important to do that. And once you do that, they will have respect for you and even lean on you often. I'm sure, uh, uh, Keith, that they have called you and asked for suggestions. Isn't that correct? Wouldn't they be looking at you for answers if they can't find any? That's the purpose of a give and take. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, they reached out, Commissioner Corkman reached out to us when we were rewriting the standards, uh, ELA and math standards and the civic standards. And we played, uh, because we were invited, we played an important role in, in helping develop all of those. Um, just, uh, just a month ago, they reached out to us. They formed a committee of people to um, implement uh, training for media center managers, and they have a committee of eight, uh, 10 to 12 people. Uh, we had three people that we recommended that are on that committee that are making a major difference. So it is a two-way street, but you only get there if they respect what you do and they feel that you're offering meaningful solutions. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the pornography it is important. I am interested in finding out what you have discovered in textbooks or uh, in pornography. What do I do, Keith? Uh, you can go to our website, goflca.org, go, goflca.org. And under the legislative tab, the drop-down menu there, the third item is the 2021 uh, porn report. And what, what that report is, is we had volunteers read some uh, 58 novels and document the pornography and the LGBTQ transgender content in those novels. Mm -hmm. And we then put that together in terms of what we call the porn report. And we're using it for two major purposes. One with local communities to help parents understand what their kids are seeing. So they're paying attention. And, and the other point is to try to get our legislature uh, to do some uh, aggressive um, reinforcement of our obscenity laws, uh, harmful for minors bills. So we're working both those avenues, Karen. And that is amazing work. And I want to thank you both. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance, and two amazing people that have made that happen, Keith Flaw and Pastor Rick Stevens. Don't go away, folks, because the Alliance is working on a project that you will want to hear about and you will want to bring to your state. We will be right back. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA. 
and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the CofixRx banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. The spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. We are the voice of a nation, the American nation, that is. This is Malcolm Out Loud. I invite you back to AmericaOutloud.com, where the fight for liberty and justice continues. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And as I have said before, we are very lucky, and I am so proud to be part of this group. Uh, They have done amazing things, and it has taught me how to be a good lobbyist, which is what is so important that I feel is the missing piece. Because when you don't communicate with your legislator, how do they know what you want? They don't. So you have to be in the communication business. And I think that was part of the problem when some of the candidates lost. I felt that they were not good communicators and did not get their message out. Perhaps I'm wrong, but that's what I think. Anyway, we did get the message out in Florida, and part of it was due to the work that the Alliance has done. It is not just electing people. It is actually changing policy in education. And our governor, our continued governor, wonderful Ron DeSantis, is dedicated to making that happen. Well, it's not going to happen overnight because the textbook companies are not going to change anything and they're going to continue to give money in the school uh, unions. The unions are going to continue to give money. But if we don't communicate like what is going on in Collier County and in Lee County, where people are challenging their school boards, folks, this is what a government by the people is all about. If the people don't get engaged, then how do you have a government by the people? You don't. Well, the alliance 
is working on a project that I think is incredible because I truly believe that everything starts with a good education. If your child can read by the time they go into the first grade, which is what they should be doing, and you give your child a well-rounded, traditional American education, then they will understand the difference between nationalism and communism. And they won't vote communism in because they will understand what it is. But it's something that we have to start with. And we have to make sure that our children know how to read, write, and do simple math. And that is our major problem right now. It's very easy to override somebody's thought process when they're not sure of what you're talking about. And it makes it very easy for them to be fooled when they're not sure of what you're talking about. So communication is key. The other thing that I feel is very important is get your kids out of these public schools because they are nothing more than indoctrination clinics. And I have brought back Keith and Pastor Rick. They're going to be spending the next, next session with us, and they are going to explain what this project is all about. I am so excited about it. Keith, if you want to share that with everyone, that would be fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll kick it off. Uh, can you hear me all right? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, we've wanted for several, uh, we've recognized for several years that um, a couple of major things. First of all, our public schools are union-driven government monopolies. And the first question, when most people I talk to agree with that, the first question I ask is, uh, how do you reform a government monopoly? And the answer is you can. And so one of the, with 2.8 million kids stuck in government school, we clearly have to change the, the whole way that um, we're providing solutions uh, to public schools. Uh, Pastor Rick? Well, it's true. We have to have solutions for our public schools, and we at the Florida Citizens Alliance have always been about solutions. We think it's easy to find a problem. Everybody can find problems, but we want to find a solution to solve the problem. And so we've been looking at the problem with schools, and we've heard from parents that they're unhappy. And one of the things that we have been a little frustrated with and a little uh, uncertain how to go forward with is how to help have more alternatives. A lot of people look at the whole prospect of teaching their children at home as being too big for them. They don't know how to get started. They don't think they can do it. They think they don't have the time or the skill. Uh, there's lots of reasons that that becomes a big barrier to parents. Well, along the way, a few things have begun to happen, and we've noticed that there are many alternatives to school. It doesn't have to be a parent spending all day teaching a child. There are alternatives like online systems that will teach children. There are cooperative organizations that you can get together with other families for the children to learn and, and a number of, of those kinds of solutions. Well, the other side of that is sometimes people want to provide a school, but in the past we've thought of a school as how do you start a K through 12 school? That's a huge project. I mean, it involves a lot of capital for a building and on and on and on. Well, that becomes a barrier to groups that want to get started. At the same time, parents have become more and more frustrated and more and more unhappy with what's going on with the schools, and they're becoming more and more open to other solutions. 
So our big idea was if people want alternatives and if we're the solution people, can we come up with some solutions to encourage all kinds of people and especially churches to embrace starting some kind of education initiative? There are a lot of names that goes by, micro schools and so forth. And so we are initiating a project that we think will be very helpful to introduce the idea to churches and church leaders and give them all of the information they need to figure out a way they can start. See, we think parents are open to these alternatives. We don't think parents require a church or any other organization to start a K-12 school. We think the parents are motivated to get their children into a place where they can actually learn and be free of the threats and intimidation and harassment that goes on too often in our public schools. So our initiative is to find a way that churches can step up and embrace the problem and provide solutions and help the parents and the children in their circle of influence, their church, their community, and provide alternatives that really help children learn and protect them from the harmful influences that are too often attacking them, for lack of a better word, in the public schools. So we have a faith-based initiative to get churches to plunge in and rescue our children. Uh, a, a little bit of an interesting uh, perspective on that. If you go, if you give me a minute to go back historically, if you go back before the Civil War, uh, none of our schools were public schools. All of our children uh, were taught through private education, either through tutors or local com community efforts. And we had, uh, according to Tocqueville, we had close to a hundred percent literacy rate. Uh, along comes the Civil War and uh, an abdication of a lot of responsibility to government. And we ended up uh, over the course of the next hundred years uh, through a lot of influences by people like Dewey and et cetera. Uh, we ended up with uh, what I call Marxist methodology in our schools. Some people might say just secular, uh, but, but it's clearly indoctrination. And so... Um, we believe that uh, getting the churches and the faith-based community back engaged as a major solution uh, to providing kids with a uh, quality education is, is absolutely critical to, to saving us from uh, this brink of tyranny that I think we're on. Okay, I'm a parent and I have a child in school and I discover these atrocious things that they are teaching my child, but I can't afford to do homeschooling because I work, I'm a single mom. So what do I do? How do I start a church school? What's, where do I go? How, how is this going to happen? How are they going to get the money to be able to do this? Well, there's a lot of questions in that question. And and let us start with the obvious. If you're concerned and you want to help your child, then you have to be committed that there's a solution. And we believe there is a solution. We don't have all of the answers to every question people will ask. But I would say to that family, to that mom, to that dad, go to your church and ask them if they know what, what you can do. Ask them if they can help. And maybe they can, but maybe they'll just get the idea that something needs to be done. And once we begin to plant the seed and, and once they know you're looking, I found out recently somebody associated with our church is very open to this kind of idea. I didn't know that before. 
but they're very open to it and very interested in it and very reluctant for their child to go to a public school. Well, that helps me know that there's people out there that want to help solve this problem. So if parents are part of a church, they need to let their pastor know that they want to help solve this problem. Pastors don't need one more thing to do. We all can, we all know that, but they're often very happy to support the work of other people and help make those kind of things happen. So that's one thing. The second thing is if they can't start this right away, there are some immediate solutions and there are some online programs and things that are available to them. We can connect people to those right away. We think that it doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes commitment to getting it done. And we're going to put all of those answers together for families who are willing to do it. And we want church leaders to know we, we are convinced it can be done with at little or no expense to the church, and we can make a real difference for some of these families. And if we can do that, why shouldn't we try? Pastor, do you think that there are maybe former teachers who might be willing to help if the uh, pastor of the church gave that out as a message? Do you think that might happen? Oh, absolutely. I think there are a lot of former teachers that love children. Maybe some of them are retired and they'd be happy to give you an afternoon or two a week or a morning and help the children learn because they care about kids. They know kids and they know how to teach them. So we need to explore that. I think there are parents who are good at teaching children because they know their children and they know how to communicate to them. And I think working together with all of these resources, the sky is the limit. We have we have kind of lulled ourselves into the belief that you have to have what we see in a typical public school in order for children to learn. We need to realize that's not necessary. And what we're discovering is they're not even teaching our children to read and write and do arithmetic. And we can do a better job of that on our own. And we need to try. And in Florida, that's very possible. We're discovering that more and more every day. Keith, where does the money come from to be able to do this? I'm going to take my child out of school. What do I do? How would I support a tutor or a school like this? Is there any mechanism that I can work with? Well, it's going to vary uh, by, by individual um, project, if you will, by individual church. We're working right now with four different groups um, that offer solutions in this range. Um, it starts with two long-term relationships we have, uh, Classical Conversations, which is a, a, a faith-based classical education. It's a co-op, and parents, uh, most of their, tra- uh, their locations, tra- um, education are done in churches uh, off hours. And uh, you as a parent, uh, for uh, as low as $1,400 a year can join an, uh, a, a co-op and educate your child as part of a co-op. So that's one option. Uh, a second option uh, that we have a relationship with, and I think you uh, have had uh, Duke Pest on your show in the past, uh, Freedom Project Academy, which is a uh, classical faith-based virtual school, but it's actually classes held in a classroom and and those classes range from uh, you know individual classes of six hundred dollars per class up to twenty four hundred for a full year course uh, depending on grade level uh, so so that's that's one aspect um, we're working with two new groups 
Um, actually, uh, myself and several of our team are going to be in Missouri next week with an organization called My Father's World. Uh, they offer a, a, a biblical uh, infused uh, classical education uh, with curriculum to go with it. And, um, you know, you, you can start a school of, I'm told you can start a school of up to 10 people for 3000 bucks a year. Um, now, to your point, uh, I think uh, what Pastor Rick was trying to make uh, to demonstrate was if you're a parent and you're interested in getting involved, then go to your church, find uh, try to find like-minded people in the church that understand what's going on in our government schools and uh, and put an advisory team together and just get started. Um, I, I mentioned there were four. Let me mention the, the fourth one. Uh, we're working with an organization called uh, Foundation for Christian Education. Uh, they're out of Virginia. And they, they have a whole methodology on um, an approach, including curriculum, on teaching what's called the principal approach. And their students, uh, they've been around long enough, their students get really high marks uh, as having been educated in a biblical worldview. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, we're hoping to build that relationship as well. So the, 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 we're at the beginning of this project, Karen. Um, it's going to take uh, it's it's going to take getting uh, local pastors involved uh, and being willing to at least lead and encourage an advisory team within their church to lead this effort and get started. And you can get started. Uh, we have a hybrid school um, by by the Foundation for. Uh, uh, American Christian education up in Orlando, that's three days of homeschooling and two days of of uh, classroom in a church, but they're using the, the FACE uh, curriculum, the principal approach. Um, and so th that uh, what we're looking to do is to start to engage pastors. The first order of business is help, help the faith-based communities understand and I'm going to use probably a pretty provocative word here, how evil our government schools really are. Uh, and, and if we don't, if, if, so the first step of this is helping them understand that they have to be part of the solution. And the second part of this equation will be providing them with options that let them deal with their perceptions of the risk uh, in getting started. Some may want to start a full-blown five-day-a-week K-12 through school because they have the facility to do that. And, and the FACE Foundation can jump right in and provide them with a turnkey solution and actually will educate their teachers um, and train their teachers. Um, so this is a, an absolutely incredible program, and it is available not just in Florida, folks. This is available to anybody who wants to start a school or who wants to take their child out of public school. I also recommend uh, one of our um, members, uh, Alex Newman, and his website called Public School Exit, which will give you a lot of great clues on homeschooling should you choose that route. I know that Florida has some scholarships that they offer that will help. Uh, Keith, would you like to share that information? Uh, sure. We have um, a, a number of different scholarships here. They range from a, a current tax credit scholarship where corporations can donate 
uh, corporate tax dollars to a fund that's managed by Step Up for Students here in Florida. Uh, they're a non-government organization, and they provide vouchers uh, to low-income family, low-income families. Uh, we have the Family Empowerment Scholarship. Uh, which has two, I uh, call it two branches to that tree, Family Empowerment Scholarship, two branches. One branch is to low-income families. So if you're a family of four earning less than $110,000, which is a pretty high number, uh, you can simply by your income status, you can qualify to send your child to a private school. Um, and that can be a secular or non-secular private school. Uh, the other branch of the Family Empowerment Scholarship has to do with disabled um, uh, special needs students. And if you have a, a, a student that fits that, uh, you know, that legal definition, and there's a series of, of, um, of definitions there, then you can qualify for up to a $10,000 scholarship to send your child to a private school. Uh, the one we've been working with a lot is called the HOPE Scholarship, and it really doesn't have any uh, hurdles uh, for, for, for applying, other than if you have a parent who believes their child is being threatened or intimidated by anything on school property, all they have to do is file a complaint and, and fill out a state notification form, take it to the principal. The principal is required under law to sign it. And the day they do, you're eligible for up to an $8,000 scholarship to send your child to a private school. Uh, we have about 3,900 private schools that are certified here in Florida uh, by the Department of Education, and around a thousand of those accept uh, the Hope Scholarship. Uh, uh, the, uh, all of them accept the, uh, um, the other scholarships, as, as I understand it. So uh, we have some tremendous solutions. Uh, Governor DeSantis, in July of 2023, uh, signed into law um, a, a scholarship bill that makes now 43% of our 2.8 million kids eligible for a scholarship, uh, one of these ones that I've just articulated, to go to a private school. Uh, a lot of parents don't know about them, and one of our major roles is helping them to, to, to understand. But I would say in the same breath that, that we do have a serious capacity issue here in, in Florida right now. It's just hopefully a short-term one. But with all of the people fleeing the north and bringing their families into Florida, uh, and with um, those that are fleeing government schools to try to get into uh, an, a private school, uh, we really need to ramp up the capacity. And that's why we're spending some serious energy trying to encourage uh, the church, and I say that in aggregate, the church, uh, to get involved. They, the church was so involved in the founding of our country uh, some of your listeners may know it as the Black Robe Regiment, but without the church, we would this country would have never been founded. And uh, and so what we're trying to do is convince the faith-based community that uh, the time is is now, the need is now, and let's get going. That is a wonderful message, and hopefully, folks, it's not going to be picked up if we don't do anything about it. It is up to us. 
America is a country that the people have to participate in their government. And if the children don't know how the government is run, then when they get older, they won't know how the government is run and they don't know the participation and the ability that they have to be able to make decisions that ultimately can become bills and laws. It is up to us to manage our country and it is up to us to make sure that our children are the brightest and the best. Right now, I believe we have a government that is being run by affirmative action graduates. And we can see that as they offer nothing and have nothing and their solutions don't match anything. So it is a travesty that has been perpetrated by the schools. How do I know that? Because I used to be a teacher until I couldn't teach communism anymore. And that's what happened as communism began to come into our schools and infiltrate and individualism was thrown out the window, patriotism was thrown out the window for globalism and collectivism. Folks, we have to make that change. It is up to us. Gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for what the Alliance has been doing. We have a few minutes left. Keith, do you have some parting words? And then we'll go to Pastor. And Pastor, if you don't mind, you can sign us out with a prayer. Keith, what can you tell our audience? Well, get involved. Um, you know, they're, they're, as Pastor Rick pointed out, it doesn't do any good to just complain. Uh, we focus on solutions. Uh, we are now over 300,000 strong. Uh, we welcome you to reach out. Uh, we have leaders in about 20 counties, I think 21 now. Uh, and we would encourage uh, you, if you're in one of those counties, to team up with them. If you're not, start uh, and you're in, in a county that doesn't have a leader, uh, start one. Uh, reach out to your church leaders. Um, really get yourself educated on what's what's going on in government schools. We have tons of information and, and analysis we've done. Uh, in your specific county, we can tell you the grades in your county. We can tell you the, the pornography that's in your county. Um, we've done all that homework. Uh, so it will be a beginning, but you got to get started. And, and uh, Pastor Rick said it several times. We can't quit. It, it's a matter of perseverance. It's a matter of being respectful and showing up. That's the key, folks. You can't get a message out if you don't give the message. And this is where we are today. So it is up to us. Once again, it is up to we the people if we're going to do anything to protect our children. Pastor, if you could tell the audience, tell our audience what you would like of them, and then close us out with a prayer. We can certainly use one. Well, one of the things that I keep reminding myself is that we often look at a problem as big as an education, and we say, what can I do? And parents often run against the, the problems of that and the resistance of that. And instead of that, I would like to encourage people to, to ask a different question. They should say, okay, I've got a problem. Now, what does this make possible? And we need to think about what's possible for our children, not what is impossible. We need to think about what we can provide for them, not what they might, in our minds and our misunderstanding, think they're missing if we choose a different educational route for our children other than the schools that most of us grew up in. 
But we shouldn't quit on that. We should think, okay, what can I make happen? What does this make possible? And what might the better outcomes be that I could never imagine? Because they're there and they'll find them. And since you asked me to pray, I think we should pray and ask the Lord's guidance and courage for all of our families and blessing on all of our children. So, Father, thanks for the opportunity we've had to share today. Thanks for the hope that is ours. Thank you for what you're making possible in the midst of seemingly impossible times. And I pray for parents and churches across the country that they would find ways to provide for their children the right kind of education that will teach them in the way they should go and will lift their level to a higher plane than we ever imagined. Give us courage, give us wisdom, give us insight, and propel us forward. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Folks, the word for the week is hope. And we are not going to have any hope if you turn around right now and think, well, I voted. That's what I had to do. That's not the end, folks. That is the beginning. That is the opening of the door. And if we hope to put America back on the map as the premier leader of the world, then we've got to dig in and do it. It's up to us. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to us, we the people. And if we're going to have hope, then we have to have hope in the Lord. And we have to make sure that everything that we do is pointed in the same direction to save our family, to save our country, and to always remember God. Thank you all for listening. This is Karen Schoen. You've been listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Folks, I can't stress it enough. Go to the Alliance website. You will find a wealth of information. If you're not in Florida, copy that information. Use it in your state. And by all means, tell us what you're doing. That's what sharing a message is all about. Thank you all for listening. And I will see you again next week. But I'll-